Hey, this is Chad Eddy with the Semp Health Podcast, and this episode is The Big Leap, Chapter 1. So listen up, I'm going to go through The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, chapter by chapter, and here comes Chapter 1. So I've listened to Chapter 1 of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks a few times again, um, and took some notes, and I... I feel like this chapter really encapsulates, it's a great introduction, it's a great introductory chapter, but I feel like it just really encapsulates um, a lot of the ideas that he expands upon in the rest of the book. Because as I'm, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, okay, there's that, there's that, there's that. Okay, so there's the big leap. There's how he describes the big leap. Here's how he describes the zones uh, of genius and, and the other zones. Here's how he describes the, the limiting beliefs and um, the thermometer. I mean, he goes through so much in this chapter. It's really condensed, um, but it, it really consolidates sort of what he expands upon in the rest of the book. So it's a really great chapter, but it's so, uh, it's so dense. So I'm going to go through it. Uh, he starts out with four questions that we need to ask ourselves. Four, four really good questions to ask ourselves. And, and when I do coaching, uh, these are some questions that I'll be asking in, increasingly more of, of the clients that I talk to. So there are four good questions. And first one is, am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? Am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? So so Gay Hendricks, his, his premise is that um, and I, and I think if you listen to the introduction, introduction episode that I did, um, he talked about the fact that we feel, we feel good feelings. And then oftentimes, or he says every time we feel guilt about having those good feelings for one reason or another. And he'll, he'll go on and expand into some of those reasons, but, um, we feel guilt about feeling good. And then we force ourselves in a way to, to bring us back to reality or back to balance or back to um, what we think is appropriate. So his first big question for us to ask ourselves is, am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? When was the last day, full day, (laughs) that you felt good, that you allowed yourself to feel just, just good? All right, so am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? Secondly, am I willing to increase the amount of time that my whole life goes well? So the first one is internal. You know, it's, it's feel good inside, you know, myself. I feel good about me. I feel good about my situation. I, I intentionally, I intend to feel good. The second one, though, is external. It's Am I willing to increase the amount of time my whole life goes well? I mean, and some people would say, well, that's kind of a ridiculous question because how can I control how my life goes? <laughs> and, that's, and that's an honest response. And, and when I, as I'm saying that, I'm like, I, I feel both sides of that. I feel like, well, how can I, how can I, exp- how can I determine how my life goes? Because there's so many other factors, you know. Uh, somebody might call me and say, you know, your dog died. I don't have a dog right now, so that's a safe thing to say. Um, somebody might call me and say your dog died or something along those lines. I, I have no control over that, so how can I determine whether my life goes well or not? So there's that side, and then there's the other side where it's like, well, am I the captain of the ship or not? Am I, 
in control of my life and my circumstances and my situations or am I not? And so what Gay Hendricks says is he says, you have the power of determining how much of your time your whole life will go well. And so in those times when it's like, well, my dog died, you have the power of determining how that goes. Information isn't positive or negative. It's neutral. It's how we um, how we process the information. He doesn't go into this, but I'm, I'm saying it's how we process the information that uh, makes it either a positive for us or a negative for us. So am I willing to uh, increase the amount of time that my whole life goes well? Good question. And then those two questions, he says, uh, if you say yes, if you say yes to both of those questions, yes, I'm willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside, and yes, I'm willing to increase the amount of time that my whole life goes well, then you're on the verge of making the big leap. But not everybody is there. Not everybody is able to say yes to both of those questions. The third question is, am I willing to feel good and have my life go well all the time? So that sort of combines the first two, right? Feel good, feel good inside, uh, and have my whole life go well. But he takes it from um, increasing the amount of time to saying, am I willing to do that all the time? Which, which is challenging. It's like, well, you know, maybe I can, I can increase to an hour every day where I'm feeling good. Um, but it, he, then the question three is, well, am I willing to do that all the time? And then the number four question is, am I willing to take the big leap to my ultimate level of success in love, money, and creative contribution? So this is the big leap. This is the leap from where I am, where I honestly stifle good feelings. I stifle good things in happening to my life or in my life or to me. I stifle those things. Based on, and he's, he's going to get into it, he's, he's going to say, you know, there's guilt, there's uh, feelings of unworthiness, there's feelings of, uh, I don't want to outshine other people, I don't want to let other people down, I don't want to be a burden to others. So, so there's, there's reasons for these things that we, but we, we stifle ourselves. And he's saying, well, are you willing to not stifle yourself and to make that big leap? And then he talks about my ultimate level of success in love, money, and creative contribution. So those are the three things that he really focuses in on throughout this book is love, money, or, or he, he says success. He interchanges money with success and creativity or creative contribution, what he says here. He says those are the three measures of, of, a, of a good life. Uh, plenty of love, plenty of success or money, and plenty of con- creative contribution or creativity. Um, so, so that, those are really big questions. I mean, the first two, am I willing to increase my time? Yeah. Okay. I'll increase my time. The third one's a lot more challenging. Am I willing to do that all the time? Like, can I, can I really visualize, can I really see my life if I am always feeling good and always having my life go well all the time? It's challenging, man. And am I willing to take the big leap in my ult- to my ultimate level? Ultimate level, and he'll explain, he'll expand on this later. It's, it's the genius level, and we'll talk about that in a second. So the next thing he says is, he says, if I argue for my limitations, I get to keep them. If I argue for my limitations, I get to keep them. Because so, a lot of people, and I've already said it, you know, 
a lot of people look at this and say, am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that um, life goes well? Well, how can, how can I determine that? And so, and so automatically I go, well, I don't know if I cannot, I, I don't know if I can commit to that. And so I'm arguing for my limitations. I'm saying, well, no, I can't, I can't, I can't commit to that. I, I want to stay limited in my amount of success. I want to stay limited in the amount of time that I feel good. And he says, if you argue for your limitations, you, you get to keep them. But what's the payoff? So he goes into the story about the, um, when, when people started make, building locomotives, trains, and said that, um, and scientists or uh, engineers or whatever they were called in that day said the human body cannot withstand going more than 30 miles an hour. You cannot put a human on a train going over 30 miles an hour because the human body cannot withstand that and it'll shut down. <laughs> and, and they were arguing for that limitation because they were fearful for people's lives. They said, you cannot do this. You can't do this. But some brave people said, well, let's just try it. <laughs> let's just try it. I don't, I don't know what the science is. I don't know what the engineering is, but let's try it. Let's see if we can get into a train and go more than 30 miles an hour. Let's see if we can go 40. And they did. And guess what? Nothing happened. Now, those scientists weren't malicious. They weren't trying to hold people back and say, uh, you shouldn't do that. They were saying, I care about you and I don't want you to do this. And that's often what we do to each other and especially as parents and I'm looking at this as my my kids and I'm like I don't want them to struggle I don't want them to suffer I don't want them to fall on their face but but I argue for their limitations and I'm like well no you can't do that because you're going to get hurt and and I I do the same thing to myself and I'm like well Chad you know what last time you tried this uh, it really hurt because people didn't respond or because, you know, some people uh, responded negatively or, you know. And so I argue for my own limitations. I'm like, well, don't step out because it, it's not going to work out. I argue for my own limitations. And Gay Hendricks says, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. So what's the payoff? Well, the payoff for me not stepping out is that I get to always, here's, here's the payoff. I get to always wonder what could have happened if I had stepped out. I get to always sort of dream about, yeah, I really could have made it big if I just stepped out. I get to keep that. If I, if I continue to argue that, you know, I shouldn't step out because, um, because I, I might fall flat on my face. I get to always dream, hey, I, I could have made it. I could have made it really big. That's the payoff, right? So am I willing to trade that payoff of feeling good about what could have been for the opportunity or possibility of actually stepping out and actually having that kind of success. It's interesting. Uh, he, says, he says, there was no class in my elementary school or even my college called how to tolerate longer periods of success and good feelings. Um, and that's true. We are conditioned to believe that we can't or shouldn't feel good all the time. Nobody really taught me that I don't think maybe they did maybe people said well you can't feel good all the time that's just not realistic but but it's just more the the habits and the patterns that I picked up you know but by the time I was five years old I I, I saw that people weren't happy all the time sometimes people were upset and sad and angry and frustrated and disappointed and discouraged and so I was like okay well that's the normal human experience and nobody taught me otherwise nobody said yeah, well, you know, this is how, it, but, but you know what? You can feel good all the time. 
I mean, until I picked up this book, until Gay Hendricks sort of expressed this this concept and this idea to me, it was foreign. I never thought that anybody would even think that feeling good all the time is possible. And there are a lot of conditions that that go into that, even biblical conditions. And, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you'll, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome this world. So what do we do? We focus on, oh yeah, in this world, we're going to have trouble. Yeah, that's just a given. And, and we ignore the second part, what Jesus said. He says, but, but you know what? Take heart because I've overcome this world. So he's saying, he's saying to us, you know, even in your suffering, even when, uh, you, you are, uh, abused, even when your dog does die, even when things go, do go wrong, you can still feel good. You can still feel good all the time because in the Christian context, because Jesus has overcome the world. All right. So we, we focus on the, the negative part because that makes us feel better because we, we understand we can relate to the idea of suffering. We don't, we don't relate as well to the idea that we could feel good all the time. So we focus on the negative part that we can relate to. And, um, but if we were taught better and more consistently that we can feel good all the time, I wonder how much better we would feel as a, as a race, as a community, as a society, as a people, if we would just encourage each other along those lines. Um, so, so feeling good, so deciding to take that leap to feeling good all the time means that I take responsibility for my failure or success. It means that I can't look to somebody else and say, well, the reason I don't feel good is because that person is treating me badly. The reason I feel I'm not feeling good is because that person disrespects me. If that person only respected me more, if that person would only free me up more, if that person would only give me more money, if that person would give me more attention, if that person would, if this or this or this, if that, or, or scenarios or situations, if I only made more money at work, then I'd feel better. If I only was, was given more opportunities, then I would feel better. Instead of doing that, if we take this leap to saying, no, I'm going to feel good all the time. I am willing to take the big leap to my ultimate level of success in love, money, and creative contributions. Guess what happens if we say yes to that? Then we don't get to uh, blame others. We, we get to take responsibility for our own failure or success. We don't have any more excuses. It's, it's saying no. It's not about what that person does. It's not about what my situation is. It's not about what I've what opportunities I've been given. It's about me taking responsibility for feeling good, for feeling happy, for for having success in uh, love, in money, and in creative contribution. Um, yeah. So it's it's yeah it's it's this is such challenging stuff. And it's such a, uh, a novel kind of concept. And that's why a lot of people are talking about the big leap. It was written in 2009. So it's been out for 10 years already. But there are a lot of people talking about it. And a lot of people discussing it. And a lot of people sort of discussing the ideas. But kind of throwing out the wholesale concept while taking some ideas. And I talked to you already in the introduction about chewing the meat, spitting out the bones. And, and we need to do that. But I think that we need to consider uh, the overall concept a little bit more than than uh, the than I even have been able or been willing to do. So, um, fear is excitement without the breath, and he quotes somebody else. Um, I'm trying to remember who he quoted. Nope, can't remember. Uh, 
but it said fear is excitement without the breath. He says excitement and fear are the exact same emotions. Exact, exact same emotion. Except that when you're fearful, you kind of hold your breath. You're like hoping that that fear, fear will pass. And he says if you just breathe, then that fear can turn into excitement and exhilaration and anticipation. Instead of fearing, feeling fearful about something that's coming up, start to breathe and turn that fear around to exhilaration. That's, that's an interesting concept too. Um, he says, uh, he, he talks about his neighbor, Mr. Lewin, Stan Lewin. And he says, um, Mr. Lewin said to him as he, when he was a boy, God will not ask me, why were you not Moses? God will ask me, why were you not Stan Lewin? And that's an interesting thing too, because, um, because we often, I often judge myself or, uh, compare myself to the success of others. And here, and here's the dangerous thing. And I was thinking about this in the context of a few friends that I know, that I've known for a while now, uh, and I and I see them on Facebook. So we're not super close now, but we have been close. Okay, so there's this. <laughs> okay, so there's this couple, who uh, they were they were leaders in our young adults group. They were um, uh, people that I I really respected and admired and I was I always wanted to be like them I always sort of emulated them I was always yeah and they and they talked about that God God was sending them off to do different things and they would often talk about yeah God sent us to do this and this is wonderful and this is great and 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 I would track them for years after that and be like oh man I wish God would send me to do things like that um and I and I thought wow these these people you know they've they've arrived they've arrived at you know following the will of God and, and they had success along the way and um, in a lot of different areas um, had a lot of success and then uh, it just in the last few years just realized their, their success kind of fell apart in a lot of areas and um, it's kind of heartbreaking but but I realized that that what I've been doing is I've been comparing my my life where I'm at now to somebody else's not that they're they're finished life but they're the middle of their life the middle of their road and i don't know how it's going to turn out so why would i emulate you know there there are things to emulate sure there are things that that i can admire about them but but why would i compare my my life in the middle of the road to their life in the middle of the road when i don't even know when they're going to turn out um i don't know if that makes sense to you but this was just something that i was thinking on my on my way here um but this concept god will not ask me if i why why was i was why wasn't I more like Moses or why wasn't I more like Paul or why wasn't I more like Peter or why wasn't I more like Deborah or why wasn't I more like uh, Martha or why wasn't I more like John God's not going to say you know I gave you these examples of faith to be like why wasn't I more like David but God is more interested in why why am I not living fully the life that he's given me to live He's not going to ask me why wasn't I more like this person who I was more who I was uh, enamored with in youth group or or these guys that I mean I, I I'm in this great community of guys um, where there's a few people that really stand out and I admire them so much and I and I want to be like them <laughs> um, uh, in a lot of ways you know I want to have marriages like like theirs and I want to have um, uh, success like theirs and I want to have families like theirs and I want but honestly like it's still the middle of the road for them too. 
So, and I'm not saying that they're not going to turn out or, or anything like that, but, but the fact is God's not calling me to be those people. God's calling me to be me and, but to be fully me, God's going to, not going to ask me why wasn't I more like that person he's going to ask me why why didn't you live fully alive in the life that I gave you to live why didn't why weren't you willing to take that big leap to your ultimate level of success Chad okay so then he goes in and explains the concept of the thermostat and I've I've sort of talked about that in this podcast already too the thermostat so the thermostat determines how much love success and creativity so there's those three again how much love success and creativity we allow ourselves to enjoy we have we all have a thermostat setting (laughs) a thermostat setting not a thermostat setting um we all have a thermostat setting and it's set for us in our early years to say okay this is how much money you can expect to to have and of course it's not a dollar amount it's not a number but it's a a level of of happiness. It's a level of, um, I can handle this. It's a level of, oh, not too much because I don't want to be greedy. It's a level of, um, if, if I, I'm not the kind of person who has a lot of money or I'm not the kind of person who has a little bit of money. It's, it's a level that's set for us by our environment as we're growing up. And it says, this is, this is the kind of person that you are. And this is the kind of, uh, life that you're going to enjoy. And so we have this thermostat set. <laughs> I did it again. This thermostat setting that we have control over. So we can look at it and say, "Oh, I can't help it. I just have this thermostat setting from my growing up. It's my parents' fault for setting that thermostat so low for me." But do you have control over your life, or do you not? Are you willing to take the big leap? Are you going to take responsibility for your failure or success? Because you have a thermostat setting that is set at a certain level. You have the control over that thermostat. And it's difficult. It's hard. It's hard work. But you cannot blame your parents. You cannot blame your upbringing for the, the, where your thermostat's at. You can only take responsibility for it and determine, I'm going to take the big leap and I'm going to change that thermostat setting. Um, we won't feel positive after we're successful, but the other way around. So a lot of people think, well, you know, when once I... Once I have a million dollars in investments, then I'm going to, man, that'll be so good. I'm going to be able to relax. I'm going to be able to enjoy life more. I'm going to be able to uh, enjoy my kids, spend time with my kids more. I'm going to be able to uh, do this and do that. And he says, no, that's the, that's the wrong way to look at it. You can't say, once I achieve this, once I have the success, then I'm going to be happy. He says, it's the other way around. It's once you're happy, then you can have that success. The feeling and, and the, the emotions and the, um, the decision, the commitment starts first. It's not a byproduct of our success. It's what brings us the success that we have. Um, he says, you're not flawed. You're not unlucky. You just have an upper limit problem. So the upper limit is... Um, is that thermostat setting. It's where is that thermostat? So, so if, if you have your thermostat at your house set at 74 degrees, um, if it goes to 75, 76 degrees, what's going to happen? The, the heater's going to turn off and it'll allow the house to cool until it gets to that 74, 75 degree. Or if it's, you know, too hot and it goes below 74, 75, 
74 degrees. So if it goes down to 32, 31, then that heater is going to turn on and it'll turn on until it gets back up to 74. So that's, that's your upper limit setting. If you want your, your, uh, exist, your experience, your conditions to change, then you need to change the setting. It's not that you're flawed. You're not fundamentally flawed. You're not cursed. You're not unlucky. You just have an upper limit problem. You just have your temperature thermostat set at the wrong temperature. Or maybe it's not wrong. Maybe it's just wrong for you. You know, I can't, I can't judge whether it's wrong in general. Like, I don't think anybody can say, well, that's wrong. That's the wrong setting. You shouldn't have your setting so low or you shouldn't have your setting so high. Nobody could really judge for you whether it's right or wrong except you. And that's, that's part of taking that responsibility and saying, is my setting too low? Is my setting too high? What am I going to do about that? So then uh, he ends up the chapter talking about the four zones. He says there are four zones that, we, that all of our activity fall into. So if you think about your activity throughout the day, um, different parts of your activity will fall into, into each of these four zones. So there's, first of all, the zone of incompetence. This is activities that you're not good at. How much of your day-to-day activity falls into your zone of incompetence? If you have a job, if you have an employer and a job, uh, how much of your job falls into your zone of incompetence? So this means uh, this is something that you do, but you're not that good at you're not skilled at. It, it doesn't come naturally to you. It's not something that you're particularly gifted at. How much of your day-to-day, uh, even your working life or your, uh, your business life, how much of your life is in the zone of incompetence? And, and it's not always negative. You know, he talks about uh, his, when he learned to ski. And when he started to learn to ski, that was his zone of incompetence because he, he didn't, he wasn't good at it, but he had uh, the intention of learning how to do it and to, to increase his competence at skiing. So it didn't really matter. He, he kept on doing it because he wanted to enjoy the, the fulfillment of learning a new skill. So that's fine. That's fine. But if your day-to-day job is in your zone of incompetence, then that could be a problem. And that could be deadly, a deadly problem. Because when are you ever going to touch that happiness that we talked about already, the contentment of success and love and creative and, and creativity? How, how are you going to touch that if you're always operating out of your incompetence? How are you going to feel good about yourself if you're always operating out of your incompetence? Um, then there's a, the zone of competence. So there's the zone of incompetence. Then there's a zone of competence. So the zone of competence says you can do these things, uh, these activities, but others can do them just as well. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're fine, but there are other people that could do it just as well. So, I mean, keep, keep on keeping on. This is where a lot of people live in their, in their jobs, in their employment. Um, yeah, I'm, I can sell pants at the store. Sure. Other people can do it too. Yeah. But you know, this is what I do. And the, those people never really touch their, their creativity. They never t- touch the unique, special spark that God has given them. Then there's the zone of excellence. So these are things, activities that you do that, that you do extremely well. And you might make a good living at doing them. So you, you have unique, um, unique gifts and you're, you're operating in your zone of excellence. And you do them extremely well. And people know far and wide that you are good at 
doing what you do. So there's like a lot of lawyers in this zone. There's a lot of salespeople in this zone. There's a lot of there's a lot of professionals in this zone. Plumbers, uh, sheet metal workers. Man, that you know, if you really want to know how to how to pound tin, go talk to that guy because he's he's really really good at it. He he has a good mind for this stuff, and he can figure out how to make this work. You know, a lot of people operate in their zone of excellence, and that's that's great. That's wonderful. But there's a better zone. There's a better place to be. And that's what he calls the zone of genius. And the zone of genius is where you thrive and feel satisfied. So your zone of excellence, yeah, yeah, I can do this. I can do it really well. I can't, I don't feel really awesome, but, you know, I can do it. So I continue to do it. And a lot of people want to keep themselves in their zone of excellence. And a lot of families want to keep people in their zone of excellence. And a lot of employers want to keep people in their zone of excellence because that it's, it's uh, consistent. It's comfortable. It's a good place to be. To make the leap from zone of excellence to zone of genius is a, is, is a scary proposition for a lot of people. Because if that sheet metal worker is really, really good at uh, pounding tin, thinks what I really, really want to do is write books. You know, that hour every morning before I go to, to put in my, my eight hours of pounding tin, that hour every morning that I put into writing my journal, that's just, that's just like heaven on earth for me. And what I wouldn't give to be able to do that on a regular basis. I mean, that's a threat. That's a scary idea. That's a scary proposition. And if that guy goes and talks to his wife and says, hey, look, I want to give up my tin metal, my sheet metal job for writing books, that wife might go, um, but your sheet metal job is paying our bills. And, and so that's a big threat. But what is, like he said earlier, what's the trade-off? If, you, if you're making excuses for your limitations and, and your limitation is, Okay, I'm limited now to being a good sheet metal worker because that's what I do well. And my excuse is, well, that's how I get paid and that's what I do well and people depend on me for that. If you make excuses for your limitations, then you get to keep them. But you can surpass your limitations and go into your zone of genius. So that was chapter one and um, I'm excited to bring you the next chapters. That that kind of encapsulates what the book's about and what the ideas are about. Um, I'm really enjoying the book again. I think this is my fourth or fifth time going through it, and uh, and I'm I'm going to enjoy bringing this to you um, ongoing. So keep keep uh, keep listening. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. Talk to you later.